Thanks for tuning in and making Res Life a part of your day. Whether this is your first time listening or this is a part of your weekly rhythm, we are glad you're here. If you'd like to connect more throughout the week, check us out at reslife.org, download our app, or follow us on social media. It's time for today's message, so let's dive in. Amen. It's going to be a fun night. I'm excited tonight. I just got back from kids camp, and we had... Lots and lots of fun. And kids camp is crazy. Um, as you can imagine, uh, you have 200 small children that are away from mom and dad, ready to chase Jesus. And that's just a recipe for a lot of crazy. It was awesome. However, normally if I'm going to be at kids camp, I schedule a guest speaker for the week after. The Sunday after kids camp, because there's things like, will you still be able to talk after trying to wrangle uh, a bunch of elementary school students all week? And, um, but Thursday, so I, I had a guest speaker scheduled. Thursday, I am in the chapel, and something just like came alive to me, and I'm like, ooh, that's really good. And I pondered it for a second, and I was like, ooh, there's more, there's more. The, I got to write this down. And so I scribbled. And I got done, and I'm like, that's the whole message. Hmm. Interesting. I wonder when I'll get to preach that. And then the person who was scheduled to, but I was like, this is, this is for somebody. And the person who was scheduled to, to speak for me tonight gets a hold of me. He's like, hey, I can still be there if you need to. But is there any way, I'm like, God already gave me the word. Before you called, um, God gave me the word. So I don't know who this is for tonight, but I feel like this is a very specific word that God's got for somebody that's here tonight. And as I was, as I was prepping this and trying to name this, so how do I start this? I thought, you know, maybe I could start it by telling you I'm going to talk about the things that you forgot. And I'd ask you how many things you forgot, but if you forgot, you probably don't know how many things you forgot. Um, there, there are sometimes we realize that we forget something. Like when you walk over to the fridge or the middle of the kitchen and you go, why am I here? And you go back to the bedroom and then you're like, oh yes, that's what I needed. And like, I don't know, there's, there's this thing, but things happen and we forget. And it's crazy how fast something can go from huge to was to fading barely as a memory. And, it, and it's something that happens to all of us, uh, but it's... It, it's easy, and you can have a conversation with a friend, and I'm sure that most of you guys have done this, and a friend's like, do you remember? And they bust something out, and sometimes you're like, oh, yeah. And other times you're like, no, no, I, I don't remember that. And they're like, are you sure? Man, we did this. And you're like, I believe you. Or they're like, I knew you back with." You're like, you did? They're like, Yes. And that happens to me a lot because I grew up here and so there'll be people who've been around church since I was knee-high to a grasshopper and they're like, I knew you when you were a little kid. I'm like, that's awesome. Like, do you remember me? No. (laughs) Or maybe if I could get a picture of you from 35 years ago, then maybe I'll recognize it and connect the dots. But but it's a thing where sometimes things, you you forget things. Sometimes um, things fade. But here's the problem. There's, there's some things in life that it's great to forget. There's some things it's a blessing to forget. 
But there are other things. And sometimes we forget that we can forget important things. And we think we'll only forget things that don't really matter. If it's really important and if it's significant, we'll obviously remember it because it was important and significant. However, that's not true. But there's even songs that declare it. There's a song, and I don't think we've sung it in a really long time, but it, they, they go on about how just one drop of God's presence is enough. And I, I remember singing it one time and thinking about it, going, you know, well, theologically, I want to agree with you on the fact that God's power and his presence is powerful enough that just one drop can accomplish anything yesterday's drop just won't do for today. And, and this is where it becomes a problem is when we start to just go, well, well, I had an incredible encounter with God. And so I actually titled this message, Once Upon a Time. Because for so many Christians, their Christianity, their faith just rests on once upon a time, I had an encounter with God. And as I was going, well, like, well, if I have an encounter with the amazing, the all-powerful God one time, shouldn't that be enough to alter my life forever? Should it? Yeah. Would it? And I started pondering this, and then I started like going through my Bible and going, let's look at some of the, the encounters, some of the people who encountered God in the most miraculous ways. And one of the first people that came to mind was Solomon. Now, if you grew up in church, you've, you've heard of King Solomon. If you didn't grow up in church, you may still have heard of King Solomon. But just in case you haven't, uh, King Solomon was the third king of Israel. And one of the things that, that made him famous was this encounter with God, where he's seeking God and God shows up and go in a dream. This is 1 Kings chapter five, uh, 3, verse 5. And at Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon during the night in a dream. And God said, ask for whatever you want me to give to you. Now, if you got a blank check from God, what would you ask him to write it for? Is it like, hey, uh, could I have a billion dollars? Some of you guys are like, mm, you're thinking too small. How about make me the richest person in the world? <laughs> and like, you've got like this, this idea of like, all right, if I had this much money or... Or, you know what, maybe, God, could you just get rid of that person? Or like, could I solely pick all of the next presidents? Or like, like, there's all of these different things that we might ask for. And he looks and he goes, you know, I'm in a position to rule your people. And that's a bigger task than I'm cut out for. God, give me wisdom to wisely lead your people. And God goes, that is a great request. Since you didn't ask for money, you didn't ask for the death of your enemies, you didn't ask for all these different things, he goes through and says, I'm gonna give you money, I'm gonna give you fame, and I'm gonna give you wisdom. And so he ends up being like the wisest, richest Dude, like they said, they stopped counting silver and just threw it out like common rocks in Jerusalem because he had so, so much. His wealth was ridiculous. His fame was like people came from far and wide to, to hear from him. And, and he gets all of this, this craziness and this stuff going for him. And then we look 
later on in his life, in 1 Kings 9, 2, it says, the Lord appeared to him a second time as he appeared to him at Gibeon. And if you read through that section, the short version of it is, if you follow me, I will bless you. If you turn away from me, it'll be a bad idea and it won't go well. That's my synopsis of the second appearance. Then, if you fast forward to 1 Kings chapter 11, verse 9, the Lord became angry with Solomon because his heart had turned away from the Lord, the God of Israel, who had appeared to him twice. The dude forgot. I'm like, how on earth do you forget? And like, there's, there's something inside me that would like to call him names and to be like, how could you be so stupid? And then I'm like, except you were like the wisest dude. How does the wisest dude still forget the most powerful, impactful thing that made him so wise? And I, and I just like started racking my brain and you're like going through this and you're like, well, maybe... Like, if you keep reading there, it talks about the girls that he married and kind of gives them some credit, and he married them when God said not to marry all these women, so maybe it's their fault, you know, blame the girl. But, uh, but I'm like, well, does this hold true in other spots? Like, so Solomon had this incredible encounter with God, and then he forgot. Does anybody else? And, and so as I, I looked on, I looked at the people of Israel. Now, the people of Israel, God's chosen people, the descendants of Abraham, and they go through some crazy stuff. They, get, uh, they go to Egypt. They end up in slavery in Egypt. It's been a long time. They've been uh, abused. They've been praying. They've been crying out to God. God sends Moses to deliver them. He goes to Pharaoh and says, let God's people go. And Pharaoh goes, who's God and why should I listen to him? And that was not exactly the response that Moses was hoping for. But he's like, that's all right. God gave me some signs. I'll do these signs. He does the signs and, Moses, and Pharaoh goes, that's cool. I got magicians too. And, and he just wasn't impressed. And so Moses goes back to God, comes back, does another sign. And this goes on. And after some of the signs, he's like, okay, I'll let him go. And then the things get better. And, and then he's like, nope, nope, just kidding. I'm not letting them go. And they go through and all the water had turned to blood. And we, they go through, they had water frogs. I'm going to test my second grade memory here. Water. So the water turned to blood. The land got covered in frogs. Gnats covered the land. Flies were next. The cattle died. Boils, hail, locusts, darkness, death of the firstborn. But like, decimated Egypt. This was like this crazy, crazy things that don't make sense. And finally, Pharaoh's like, mm, all right, I'll let you go. Because my son just died, I'm mourning, I'm grieving, I'm all upset, don't know what else to do, I don't want anything else to happen, get out of here. Then they leave and he's like, I just sent all of my help away. What did I do that for? Army, let's go get him. And so now they're up against the, the Red Sea. He's charging with an army. And they're like, oh God, what do we do? Or actually they didn't say, oh God, what do we do? They said, oh Moses, did you take us out here to kill us? And he goes, God, what do I do? Like, what do you got? Stick, lift it. 
Like, it's really, really cool. And this is like a, a great lesson because it's not just here, but when we're going to do things with God, God asks us to do stupid things. When I say stupid things, I mean simple things. Things that on their own don't seem to have the capacity to make anything happen. And he goes, but if you'll do this in connection with me, I'll do what you only dreamed possible. He lifts a stick and the sea splits in two. It's like when he tells us, go lay your hands on the sick and they'll show recover. If I go lay my hands on somebody in the natural, it doesn't do anything. Because if you can do that in conjunction with me in faith, I can do what you could never do. Anyways, back to our story. Sea splits. They go through the sea. Now, if you were to like list off what could be the craziest things that you could live through, this would all have like made the list. When you're seeing this guy do this and you're like, okay, maybe I didn't get to watch him do part of it when the 10 plagues happened, but I was with him. I was watching. I was part of the 2 million people when here comes an army that's charging us and there's a sea in front of us. And all of a sudden this guy's like, walk across. And you're like, what, what just happened? Like that seems pretty mind blowing to me. And they cross the Red Sea and they get to the other side and it does not take long before they start to complain. And, and, and then God shows up. Exodus chapter 20, like this is crazy. They're all there and God says, hey, step back from the mountain. I'm gonna show up. Don't touch the mountain or you'll die. And they're like, whoa, this is legit. Clouds like start rolling in. Trumpets start playing from the sky. Things begin to shake. You're like, this is crazy. They didn't have the technology to put on this cool light show or the stuff that we're used to seeing in movies. And you're like, what is happening? God shows up and begins to speak. And this is their response. Um, they trembled in fear. They stayed at a distance and spoke to Moses saying, speak to us yourself and we will listen, but do not have God speak to us or we will die. So they, they come to this agreement. Okay, I'm gonna go talk to God. I'll come tell you what he said because his presence is so great and you realize that you are so messed up that maybe you won't survive it. He goes up on the mountain. He starts talking to God. Chapter 32, verse one. When the people saw that Moses was along in coming down from the mountain, they gathered around Aaron and said, Come, make us gods who will go before us. As for this fellow Moses who brought us up out of Egypt, we don't know what has happened to him. That has got to be the dumbest verse in the whole Bible. What kind of idiot goes, Hmm, make me a god? If you have to make it, it's obviously not God, right? It didn't make you. You are about to make it. Their logic is lost on me. But I just sat there, I'm like, what? He's been up there for 40 days. Or it's 40 days when he comes down. So I guess I'm not sure exactly what, how long it took them to go from, hey, make us a God to him making a calf and then throwing a party because they now have a new God that they just made. But I looked at him like, are you really stupid? But, but Solomon did this, so maybe it's not that someone's stupid. Maybe there's just a human tendency to forget. 
maybe I can't live my whole life forward based on one thing that happened in my life a long time ago. Maybe if I want to have a relationship with God, it has to be something that's ongoing and can't be something that happened once upon a time. And I began to look going, how did they forget? And how did they keep forgetting? And if you go in, you look in Judges 3, 7, the people of Israel did, eat, did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. They forgot the Lord their God and served the Baal, Baals and Asherah. Psalms 78, 11. They forgot his works and the wonders he had shown them. Psalms 106. They forgot God, their Savior, who had done great things in Egypt. And it just, it blew me away. And then I thought about something. How, think about the worst you have ever physically been hurt. Not emotionally. Emotionally is a very different can of worms. Physically. Think about that pain. You remember that it hurt, but you can't re-feel that pain. It's weird and magical. I have broke a couple of bones, um, and I would re recommend not doing that. But in that, I remember the way that I described the pain in the moment. Like when I got back after they screwed my foot back together, I remember that if I stood up for very long, it felt like someone put my foot into a vice grip and that it was crushing it from all angles at the same time. But I can't feel that now. And I thought, maybe I'm weird. And then I looked around and I saw people. And I realized that is validation that I'm not weird. Because if women remembered how much it hurt to have one kid, they'd never have a second. <laughs> and I keep seeing people. There is a supernatural like, amnesia that there's this level of the pain that they forget. And the Bible talks about it when they have the joy of the, the baby, but there's something about the pain. They remember that it hurt, but there's a level of the experience that they forget. And there's this thing that, that fades. And I, and I begin to just think about this, this idea that what was fades, that I have to continue to seek God and experience God for today. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. In Deuteronomy 4, 29, seek the Lord your God and you will find him if you look for him with all your heart and with all your soul. How many of you guys ate yesterday? How many of you ate today? What? Same hands. And, and we laugh because that's silly because you're like, obviously you eat and then the next day you eat again. Some of you guys are like, I'm intermittent fasting. Well then fine, you're going to eat again soon. <laughs> but we recognize that each day needs its own food we forget that each day needs a new encounter with God. We need to keep seeking him. That a relationship to stay fresh requires regular interaction. Yesterday or yesteryear's encounters with God were amazing, but we need new ones. Josh, well, chapter 24, verse 15, Josh says this, choose this day whom you will serve. Jesus in Luke 9 says, um, 
If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. We like this minus the word daily. There is this tendency to go, I want a once and done solution. I want to be like, I checked the box and it's all set from here on out. And he goes, that works in a lot of areas in life, but he goes, I want a relationship with you. Relationships don't do check a box once. Tell your wife you love her once and let 20 years go by, see if it works. Checking a box in a relationship, it, it, it has to be ongoing. And he, he paints it this way. But as I talk to Christians, so many of them, like I'm, I'm all about kids camp. I was just at kids camp. I believe in kids camp. I sent my kids to kids camp and I counsel at kids camp. But I talk to too many Christians who are like, hey, do you remember your last encounter with God? And they're like, yeah, kids camp. You're 50. Were you counseling? And it, it's so sad. Like, I, I believe in these moments. I, but here was my, here's my prayer. Like, I walked up and down my cabin. I prayed over each of the boys in my cabin that what happened today would be a start. What happened that day would be a launch point, not a highlight. That it wouldn't just be this, do you remember when, like that guy who was really good at football in high school and never went anywhere with it? trying to relive his glory days like 30 years later. I was an amazing quarterback. We went to state. <laughs> it's great. What are you doing with life now? Remembering. <laughs> <laughs> I'm all about not forgetting the good things that God has done in the past, but we need to keep seeking him for today and not to just let it go. Well, once upon a time, I had a great encounter with God. Because relationships left alone begin to deteriorate. Uh, most of you guys have finished high school. Are there some people that you lost touch with? Most of you guys finished college, or college was a long time ago. You have had relationships in your life that you do not still have. And there are some of them that you're like, yep, and that was on purpose. But there's a bunch of them that there was no malice involved. There was no anger. There was no frustration. There was simply change in circumstances. So what happened to the relationship? It faded. You're like, what was wrong with them? You're like, I didn't see them anymore. I stopped seeing them. I stopped talking to them. We stopped communicating. And pretty soon we had no relationship. And most of you guys are old enough that you're like, that was before Facebook, so there's not a way to track them forever. Um, I was thinking about it, and like, there's a couple of the guys from college that I keep in touch with. There's a whole bunch of, there's like people who lived in my house in college, and I was trying to remember one of their names, and I'm like, oh, crud. I didn't keep in touch with him. It wasn't because he was evil. It wasn't because he did something. It was because when I put absolutely no effort into it, the relationship began to deteriorate. When I didn't value it, when I didn't communicate, when I didn't seek the relationship in any way, shape, form, or fashion, it faded. But if we put in the effort, 
it changes things. See, Israel kept forgetting what God did, except Josh. Here's what made Josh different. See, while everybody else hung out at the bottom of the mountain, Josh is like, how close to God can I get? And if you read the story, you see that Moses goes up on the mountain with Joshua. And then when Moses is talking to God at the very top of the mountain, we don't know what's going, where Josh is at. And there's part of the conversation that happens between God and Moses that Josh isn't aware of. But when Moses starts to come down, Josh isn't at the bottom of the mountain. Josh is up there with him and having a conversation going, hey, what's the sound I hear? But he was, wasn't a part of the conversation that God had, but he was as close to it as he could be. But everywhere that Moses went, he, he followed, and he, but almost everywhere. Here's where he breaks his pattern. In Exodus chapter 32, I think it's 32. No, 33. After Moses comes down, his face is all like glowing. People all freak out. Oh, if, he, if, I guess if you've never heard this, after he comes down, after talking with God, God's presence is so on him that his face shined like a light bulb and freaks people out. When he gets to the bottom of the mountain, they're like, ah! Because he's like, wait, you don't see people glowing. That's not normal. And so they're like freaked out. So he puts like this veil on to talk to them. And, and then he goes, but I'm going to keep talking with God. And they set up a tent outside of camp. And they go, it's his tent of meeting. I'm going to go talk to God. And when he would go talk to God, he'd take it off. And like the presence of God would come down to this tent. And everybody else would stand at the door of their tent and be like, whoa. And they'd be like, that is cool. God, you're good. Except Josh. Josh, and you could like start to credit this to his job, you know, that he follows Moses. But he like shows up and he goes like, if this is the tent, he's like, hmm. I'm supposed to stay outside of the tent. He's like, how close can he get? And then this is where I see a change in the pattern. Moses leaves the tent. And when he does, everybody else just goes back about their business. But Josh, he stays here. He's like, what you doing? I'm hanging out with God. He's just right there. Where are you going? nowhere. It's me and God. He pursued God and it stayed fresh. In fact, he took over for Moses and it says that when he passed away, Israel followed God all the days of those who lived with Joshua. When they died, another generation arose that forgot. And I, and I just looked and was like, okay, there's a drift. Am I pursuing God today? Or have I let yesteryear's encounters be enough? See, Psalms 119, verse 105 says, God's word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. But you know, a flashlight doesn't do any good if you don't turn it on. If I don't spend time in God's word, it's not going to light up anything. And here's where, here's where I think a lot of us get hung up. If we think that Christianity is about what happens when you die, then we think that yesteryear was enough. 
Because we go through and we go, I just want to not go to hell. Jesus paid the price. I said the prayer. Check, check. And, and then we get this, well, that's enough. And some are like, well, no, no. I, I got to like do something with my faith, so I'll go to church some. You're here on Sunday night, so you are probably the choir here on this one um, as you're putting in some effort to seek him. But I begin to look, and in John uh, chapter 17, verse 3, oops, my tablet just, computer just died. I went to sleep. You might be going no noteless. All right, but... I might have to go to these, back to these notes. Um, but here's the thing. In John chapter 17, he says that eternal life is to know him. If I know him, and this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. But when you look up the word eternal, the word that it's used, this is my translator's New Testament, uh, I got this because dad kept using one and it was cool. I was like, what? He goes, if you're going to translate the Bible into another language, they made this for you to help you understand some of the English words that we use that don't necessarily carry all the meaning. They'll highlight it in here and go, here's all the meaning behind this word so that you can make sure that when you're translating it, you don't short sell it. And so it says eternal life. In the New Testament, eternal life is the kind of life which is given to all true believers in Christ. The word eternal draws attention to the quality of life, not to its duration in a temporal sense. Thus, eternal life can be experienced by believers even while subject to the temporal conditions of earthly life. Translators should be careful to avoid expressions that mean no more than a timeless continuation of life after death. But that's where most Christians think it is. They go, eternal life. It means I spend eternity with him after I die. But Jesus' definition goes, it was to know him. Hmm. It's walking with him that changes the quality, not just the duration of my life. And when I say the quality, I don't mean I get everything that I want. It means that in God's presence, there is quality beyond what I could get doing things my own way. And I begin to look and realize that if I think that God's plan just starts after death, I miss this. But in Mark chapter 3, Jesus appoints disciples. And we think he appoints them because he needs somebody to accomplish things. He needs somebody to carry on his mission. But in, in Mark 3.14, it says, and he appointed 12 whom he named apostles so that they might be with him. And he might send them out to preach. He put, put being with him before carrying out a mission. He goes, I want to be with you. In our walk with God, God wants to be with us. And when we forget this relational dynamic, we miss out. And people go, but I had, a, a, I had such an intimate relationship with God. How could that fade? And I think one of the most beautiful pictures is marriage. 
Because in marriage, uh, it is sad that for many couples, their marriage starts amazing and then somewhere down the lines, it turns into roommates. Because they stop pursuing, they stop spending time together, they stop affection, and they go through and they just continue to coexist in the same space. Some of them partner on a level of, all right, you accomplish these tasks, I'll accomplish these tasks. And that's the kind of relationship that a lot of people have with God. It's like, hey, we're roommates. Hey, we're universe mates. You're big and kind of everywhere, so we're sharing things. I'll do my thing. Could you kind of bless my thing? And that's their, their walk. But see, in marriage, if I decide, you know what? I want a good marriage. Then I need to continually put time and effort into pursuing my spouse. And a wise man told me before I got married, he goes, the honeymoon is not a destination. The honeymoon is not a period of time. The honeymoon is a series of choices, and it will last as long as you make those choices. Probably some of the best marriage advice that I got before we got married, because so often we think it's a time. It's automatic for this time, and then it's over. But the truth is, it lasts as long as I keep pursuing, as long as I keep this. um, I keep giving her preference, I keep chasing her, I keep pursuing, then our relationship stays on fire. In our relationship with God, he is after you. He has already given the greatest gift, paid the highest price to be in relationship with us. And now it's up to us to decide whether or not we will maintain the relationship if we will continue to pursue him, continue to make space for him. And if I go through and go, when do you remember your last encounter with God? Because his desire is for you. When, when you, we read this Bible, we, it's so easy to, to get lost in little sections. But did you know that this Bible is one story? From one cover to the other? It's the story of God who loves you and wants a relationship with you. And if you start in the book of Genesis, you find God who made the earth, made man, and he walked with him. And this was the plan to give man dominion and to have relationship with him. And then man chose sin and chose to try to do it without God. And, and he, he began, he led it in the sin that brought division, but from the very moment that he did, God spoke a prophecy that he would send one who would crush Satan under his feet. And then you see, as you begin to go through your Old Testament, God beginning to set things up as he set aside a people and said, the promise is gonna come through you. Let me begin to set this up. And you begin to see the law so they can begin to recognize their need for the Savior. And as you go through this, things set up all the way until you reach the New Testament when Jesus comes. And he comes and he goes, I'm going He's the Messiah, the one who's going to set things right. And he appointed the men that they might be with him. He gave his life and paid the highest price so that we could receive forgiveness. And then after you go through this, you begin to see them spreading the gospel and they begin to tell of what he did to make us right with God. And our 
our available position in Christ as forgiven, as redeemed, as holy and righteous, not because of what we could achieve, but because of what he did. All the way till you get to Revelation, and you're going to find that he goes through and says, all right, in the end, here's what's going to happen. God will be with man. Man will be with God. They will be his people, and he will be their God. Revelation chapter 21, verse 4, or 3. Verse 3. Verse 4, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. But you go through, and he's going to bring heaven to earth. And he goes, in the end, we're going to be with him in a paradise, which is how it started. He goes, I never gave up on you. I want a relationship with you. I'm willing to pay the highest price to have it. But too often, we go, oh yeah, I know him. Once upon a time, God touched my heart. He goes, yeah, what about today? He goes, will you go on a date with me? Like, what do you mean? Will you stop what you're doing and spend time with me? Will you, will you open up my word? Will, will you spend some time in prayer? Will you worship me? I want to be with you. Once upon a time isn't good enough. He goes, I want to be with you. I want a relationship with you today. I don't want a memory that you forget, a box that you check. I want to be with you. I want to flow through you. I want you to be a window where the world looks and sees me. But you can never reflect what you don't see. And he goes, in order for you to reflect me, you have to see me. Come spend time with me and let me fill you with my spirit so my power can flow through you. So others can come to know me. Because my desire is for relationship. I looked... And I scribbled. I said, God, don't let me forget. God, don't let me rest on yesteryear's encounters. Don't let me rest on yesterday's encounters. God, let this come alive to me. God, let me seek you in prayer. God, let me worship you like you're standing in front of me. Because your desire is for me. His desire is for you. And I give an invitation, I give a challenge, because there's people in different boats. Some of you guys go, you know what? I remember my last encounter with God happened this morning like it does daily. Others look and go, I know God. My last encounter with God, it was yesteryear. God wants to walk with you. Some of you guys go, encounter with God? I've never encountered God. You might have been like, I've been in church in my life, but I haven't encountered God. I know a lot about God, but I haven't encountered God. 
I believe in a God, but I haven't encountered God. I want to I extend his invitation to a life with him, to a life in relationship, to a life forgiven, to a life walking with him. And if you don't have that, you can start it today. Can everyone bow their heads and close their eyes? Today, if you say, today, I want to start that. I want a relationship with God. Now, I'm going to count to three. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. If you're online, you can just type in, that's me. But the Bible says that he stands at the door of your heart. Can I come in? Can we have a relationship? If you are ready for that today, one, get ready. Two, three. So that's me. I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life. Awesome. I see your hand and your hand. Who else says, I need that? Awesome. All right, you can put your hands down. Jesus made the offer and he says, whoever calls his name will be saved. This is where we start. This is where we respond. So if you raised your hand, Um, or you've already done this before, then go ahead and join us as we declare God to be our Lord. Say, God, thank you for loving me. Even when I make mistakes, I'm sorry for my sins. I believe that you died and rose again. Thank you for washing my sins away. I choose to live for you from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. We hope you've been encouraged by this message. For more information, if you're in need of prayer or just want to connect with the community, go to reslife.org, follow us on social media, or email us anytime at reslife at reslife.org. We hope you have a blessed day and we will see you again soon.